0: Ladies and gentlemen, at the request of Graham Taylor's family, who are here with us today, we now invite all supporters at Vicarage Road to show their appreciation for Watford's greatest ever manager, by way of a minute's applause, which will start on the referee's whistle.
1: Welcome to From the Ricker End. My name is John. Uh, with me is Mike and Jason. And uh, this is going to be a weird From the Ricker End. Um It is Saturday. It's uh, pre-kickoff. We're outside uh, Vicarage Road before What's play Middlesbrough. Uh, and we are going to be having a chat about um, a great man. Um, Mike uh, Graham Taylor died two days ago, and we're outside Vicarage Road now. Uh, it's certainly different to a normal match day.
0: Yeah, it's got a it's got a, a sense of occasion about it. Um, there's heavy, heavy hearts around, and you can you can just sense it in the air. There's there's all that sort of little frisson of something in the air, and you can just tell it's one of those very special days. And just just sadly, it's for for all the wrong reasons. This was a podcast that we knew one day we would have to do, but this is this is far too soon to do it. And I think that's a, a view shared by everyone here. It's just a bit of a sense of of shock, uh, of deep deep sadness, but also um, an absolute determination to remember a great great man and a a vitally important part of our football club and our lives to remember him today and and to do him the honour of, of just remembering him correctly because that's what I think we know he would have wanted he wouldn't have wanted any moping around he'd want us to get on with it play the game, win the game, but also, yeah, it's just, everyone Everyone has a sense of responsibility today, I think, and, and you can feel it in the air.
1: Yeah, we're going to uh, talk about Graham's time here, um, but it's all going to be from our point of view, that's what these podcasts have always been, it's our take on what fan. so it's going to be our take on Graham, um, and we're going to try and do something bigger and better and a little bit more thought um, uh, as a podcast uh, in the coming months uh, to really capture Graham properly but let's sort of let's talk through it we all, we all became what fans when Graham was uh, the manager Mike and I knew at the end Jason knew were, were at the beginning and I think the biggest thing that is I've, I've had over the last few days is actually how Graham helped to form me a part of me the footballing part of me at least what <laughs> what is it you think he formed in, in us as what for fans
2: um, I think the, the, the fact that we could all go to football, um, we were all brought along by our parents to Watford at a time when <coughs> excuse me, hooliganism was rife and it probably wasn't at the forefront of our parents' minds to think, oh yeah, when the lads grows up, we're going to take him to to football because it was, a, a, yeah, some nasty places to go back then. So he created, as we, I mean, it's, it's been said many times already, he created this family club, this community ethos, the club was part of of the town it was just a a sort of a a small cog in the community it wasn't about the football club it was about Watford as a town and as a community Um, and we know he got the players to go out meet the public Uh, I think his words were people always used to come and see them at work so he wanted to go and see the fans of the club in their places of work and encourage people to come and it it worked Um, it's it's great that we're standing on Vicarage Road doing this podcast because when I started to come with my old man and my uncles and their mates, this is where we used to meet up so we'd, we'd stand more often than not on the uh, on the northwest Terrace uh, and we'd stand outside one of the old big exit gates, smell of Marlborough fags in the air as the boys were waiting for whoever was last to turn up, I think it was usually my uncle, um, a bit like we're waiting for parking,
1: <laughs> always, always the same one. Um, but what was your, yeah, you know, that, that going out of the community? What was the, what was your first sort of recollection, memory of seeing that Watford?
2: I remember when I, I played very briefly. I didn't, I didn't play sort of kids football for for too long because uh, the side I played in disbanded, and I wasn't all that anyway. Until <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I played a couple of years with uh, Abbott's Youth, and uh, and I remember we had a, a presentation evening at the end of end of the season, uh, and I think it was Luther giving out the um, certificates. So you got up and you got to shake Luther's hands. And for, a, for a, an eight-year-old Watford fan who'd been coming here, and I think at the time that would have been the season we won promotion to Division One when I, I was lucky enough to go on a pitch on my dad's shoulders um, after Ross Jenkins' head. i never forget that moment either. Obviously, it felt very, very special. He, he, was, he was one of my heroes, and I actually got to shake hands with him. It was yeah. fantastic.
1: What about you, Mike? What was your first recollection? Mine was certainly around the Junior Hornets, the Junior Hornets evenings where we got to come here and and, and see the ground. What was your first remember of that, of that sort of that Watford he, that the, the values he added to this football club?
0: I think it's to, to, to kick things off. It's important to say I wouldn't have come to football if it wasn't for Graham Taylor.
1: Well, your dad and my dad are both from north of the Watford Gap, and yeah. certainly Watford wasn't a, a club they supported as, as, as children. You know.
0: No, my dad's a Geordie. We moved down here when I was when I was very young. He took pity on me and said, "Right, you need <laughs> to support your local team." That was Watford, um, but as Jay said, that was a horrible time in football. There's a lot of intimidating, scary places for a, for a dad to take you. I mean, we're all we're all parents now. We know what it's like to be to, to have young children have those responsibilities. Graham Taylor made that a possibility for us. I would not have, he would not have brought me, and I would not have expected him to, to bring me, if it wasn't for what Graham had done. And also important to, to recognise that whilst he had a good team around him, he didn't do it on his own. Yeah. But there was other other things he did. We needed extra funding. He went out and ran the marathon. To, to, to fund the money, he he he, could, he paid for the bricks that we stood on as kids. That's how important it is. It's impossible to overstate the the importance and the the impact. And I know we're talking to Watford supporters here, and we're um, we we're, we're, we're telling you a story you already know. But I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for Graham Taylor, and I I need to make that that point. But there was just little touches, little flourishes about about Watford back in the, back in the eighties under under Taylor, and. Also important to say that Jace mentions them going out to the community. This is this was thirty you know thirty years ago. Now we're used to seeing the the, the pictures of, of of Tottenham in their tracksuits hot in hospitals and stuff like this, and it's it's kind of expected of players. Back then it wasn't. Back then it just wasn't the same thing, and and he made it. Um, he was in the contracts, I believe. He had a rotor, and people had to go out so he broke the mould I think we have to go on record we'd be, we'd be it would be remiss of not us to, not to mention that but I always yeah.
1: remember um, I, don't think, I was trying to put him talking to friends about where he sits and what he did for this club and all these things we talked about that he, he did in that first tenure he was here for me he, you know, he didn't just improve this club as many people have done and rise them through the leagues that's what's been talked about but you know, he, he, he added values he defined this football club as it is today and it's still here and the only per- person I can think of in the history of football, who did that? Where what they did is still clear and um, effective today. Is is Bill shankley, Everybody else just did a really good job at a certain time, but that's that's what Graham did. He said the football, Jason. Um, it was he played exciting football, but was still winning. He wasn't He wasn't sacrificing I think by playing exciting football.
2: No, he, he, his ethos was always he sort of looked at games, and he looked at the way teams used to say if you were struggle if you were behind, you need to get back in the game teams were attack, attack, attack in the last 10 minutes and he thought well why not Why not do that for 90 minutes, it, it seems to work and that's what he did and he had some friends in football who felt the same way, so names that had been that had been in football a long long time and spoke to them about it um, and he, he came up with what seems to be a really simple tactical solution, it, get the ball at the other end of the pitch and if you keep out there long enough you're going to score a goal and the other team just didn't cotton on and, and when they did they didn't like it anyway as if it was the, the wrong way to play football if we'd have been a fashionable club with fashionable players pinging 40 50 yard passes into space for the wingers
0: to run to, run onto it would have been the best thing since sliced bread but I, I, it was joyous and what jay says there I was standing on the on the vicarage road end, and, and the, part of this is that is the youth uh, standing on the on the family terrace so part of this is youthful enthusiasm but whenever watford conceded a goal you were always like right let's go and get one. And you kind of expected them to generate something because that's just what they did. And there was just that almost sort of, it wasn't carefree, that's the wrong word, but it was exciting. And it was, I think joyous is the right word. The first game I can remember being at it was Watford for walsall 4 in, in an FA Cup tie. So you can kind of see why I, why I got hooked on football. But you always expected something to happen from from a Watford team under Graham Taylor. And I think he he decided to leave when the first time round when he felt he couldn't impact that any further. But it was just... It was just excitement under him, and it, it felt like Watford would, would always do something. It didn't ever feel like they'd let you down, and you almost expected them, if they let one in, they'd go and they'd sort it out for you, and it felt like it was. They'd go and score for you, because it, standing at Vicarage Road as a kid, you all felt as one. You felt privileged to be there, because you stood at the front, your dad would stand at the back, and all the kids would go down the front, and that made you feel grown up and special. And you kind of realised, I think, looking back, that it was at Watford that made that Made that happen for you, and obviously that's that's Graham Taylor. You couldn't go to, to Chelsea and let's say to your Dad, right? I'll see you at half time, I'll see you at the game as a as a seven or eight year old. And no chance. And it just enabled you to have that excitement. And you know, Jase described those evocative memories of of the cigarette smoke, and everyone's got them. But here, it's just I've got you know goosebumps thinking about them. Watching football as a kid in that environment and watching that great football was is a privilege. Um, and yeah, that's why I think everyone's feeling. So, despondent today.
1: He left uh, to go elsewhere and manage some other teams. Uh, But when he came back, Jason... Uh, we were older you were much older um, and there was a moment there where it was him it was Kenny Jacket and it was Luther Blissett and I worried I was old enough by that point to really understand having started to go you know, to away matches truly understand what Graham had done here and I think as the years have gone on I've more and more understood the impact of what he did and how it's still around in this football club but when he came back was there any point that you were worried or did you always think he'd, put, he'd come through
2: no, because I, I think right at the, at the very start, when he came back with Luther and Kenny, it was immediately back to that sort of high-scoring. We'll score more than you. There was some. I mean, I think there were a couple of games where we scored six uh, in Port yes. Vale, possibly. Yeah. And, and this is with um, Devon White and David Connolly up front. It was <laughs> it was amazing. It was great fun. It was it was good fun to watch. And ultimately, in the end, it was it was sort of heartbreak as we dropped down to to it would have been uh, Division Two, would have been called at the time the third level of English football, and. and and for me, and obviously for you guys as well, I think that was the first time I'd seen us down there. But I remember going to the opening day of the season, the following season, at Bournemouth, friends of ours, and it was sold out. And I was, luckily enough, I got there early and managed to get in. But there was a massive queue, and a lot of Watford fans didn't get in that day. So if you think anyone was really worried about whether we'd be all right, I think the fans were were there to back him. And obviously, by then, he'd sort of taken a bit of more of a backseat role, and Kenny was in charge. He was still there, and everyone was, I think, trusting in him.
0: It's not—it's not rewriting history to say that him coming back, seeing the TV pictures, seeing the the pictures in the in the paper, whatever, it gave, it made everyone feel two foot taller around the club, and you, you could just sense it immediately. And yes, we went, we went down. He he, he couldn't save us at the, the, the tail end of that season. Kenny couldn't get us up that that year. But then it, it was that sort of that great. We, it felt confident that we knew what was going to happen again, and it's just he exuded that, and he's you knew he knew what he was doing, and like the players that played for him as supporters, we had faith in him. We knew he was leading us in the right direction. We knew something good was going to happen. you never didn 't know quite what it was going to be. would we get to another cup final? would we get to play? whatever but you knew something good was going to good was happen because he would work his fingers to the bone for our football club
1: and he gave us one of the biggest moments of our uh, time as a club, he'd done many, many before, and we won the playoff final and, and took us to Premier League um, uh, for the first time. Um, and I always think maybe I wonder if if he hadn't come at that point, where would we be now? Would we have ever had that surge in that what we now know as the Premier League uh, era to get there? The final sort of time he came back was wasn't as manager again; it was purely as a uh, as uh, as a, a director and then a chairman. Um, I don't think. Again, now we we learn more about what was going on at at the time, how much he steadied the ship and and, and almost kept the Watford
0: way that he defined uh, going. It was a tumultuous and difficult time for for Watford when he came back and just knowing that he was sat in the room with the people who were making the decisions, just knowing that he would be involved in in the direction and trying to work out what happens next. It was always going to be very, very difficult just because of the financial situation and the complicated mess that, that Watford were in. But you just knew as long as he was there, all you wanted to support was someone with your club's best interests at heart doing what they think is best for the football club. And while he was there, you had that faith... Um, and whilst it was probably it was the most difficult period of his association with the with the football club, there's can, there can be no doubt. The I think the the peace that he would have given Watford supporters and the and the faith was was worth you know is immeasurable in times like that. When you know you mentioned the surge of the Premier League, but there were two surges, and there were there were, play, there were there's, you know there's guys who listen to the podcast who were who were watching as, as, as fourth division um, club and has seen us go up, drop down again, and then go back up again. And then we were in this, so they've you know, had decades of this wonderful roller coaster ride only for it potentially to be, to be snatched away uh, and just all going up, up, up in a puff of dust. And to have that man there who had been the constant through all those wonderful times was, you know, it was like a balm to all our sort of concerns. And so, as always, it was just great to have him around in, in whatever capacity.
1: The thing that we've seen recently, Jason, is young players coming on, and us all get excited about that. That feeling, like that's what Watford should do. And again, he started that. Uh, I saw a clip this morning from uh, ITV Sport from from the late, uh, from the early eighties. Uh, once we'd actually got that promotion to the, the Division One, where he uh, he said we had four teenagers play in that uh, in that Division Two side, and, and that's something again. Something he he kept, and it's very important to us.
2: Yeah, and again, sort of talking about my own personal memories, I remember coming to a couple of FA Youth Cup finals here. Mm. Um, where we beat Manchester United, which had they'd had Mark Hughes in the side, I think, lost to Newcastle. They had Paul Gascoigne playing for them. But that first one at Man United, well, I can't remember I, I was sitting in, uh, I think I'd been in the Schrodel's stands with my dad that, that night. Um, and again, it was ex- an exciting game. Didn't matter if it was the first team or the youth side. That the football was exciting. There were goals, extra time, thrilling. I, I think I remember. I, I, I seem to recall their keeper coming out. Clashing with our striker and, and their central defender, and the ball sort of bubbled into the back of the net. We won the cup, and, and that was it. We, we'd won the cup, yeah. and it's like it's a national competition, and it didn't matter whether it's a youth
0: side or not. As a, as a young lad, I was excited, and again, this is Graham Taylor making it happen. We talked a lot about the about the footballing side, and we stood outside Vicarage Road, which is. Stadium, which is completely unrecognisable to the to the ground that Graham arrived in in 1977. I've got no doubt, no doubt that we wouldn't be looking at the stadium as it is now if it wasn't for for, for what he did. So his 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 contribution to this football club is is literally immeasurable. You cannot you, you can't quantify it. But on a human level, he was just such an incredible guy. And the thing that um, I hope has brought the the family who must be um, suffering terribly this week. Um, some, um, some sort of um, what's the word, some sort of help some sort of comfort, is the, just the outpouring of stories and anecdotes from people, not just Watford fans but, but I can almost guarantee at least if you're a Watford fan, someone in your family will have a Graham Taylor story but clubs, members of, you know, Villa fans Wolves fans, um, England supporters journalists, people he's helped in, in, in various capacities and every time he's helped, he's never had to, he always found time for people and he didn't just find time he found quality time um, and he talked to you like it was the first time he was telling a story he would have told countless times before and the the mark he left on people as a person is is unmatched in in football I, I think is I've, n- I've never known anything like it and I've had tweets from from um, supporters of other clubs this week saying I had no idea I had, him, I had him wrong. I thought he was a, a, a rubbish England manager who did well at a little club. And he had no idea what he meant to, not just the people of Watford, not just the people of Birmingham and Aston Villa, but to, to almost everyone. Um,
1: What's been brilliant is actually we haven't been, last couple of days, remembering the manager. We've been purely remembering the man and how he touched all these different people's lives, um, particularly this morning, loving the tales from the vicarage, sharing the story about Gifton Noel Williams um, and uh, Graham supporting him financially during a, a tough occasion. And, and, you know, there's, there's a million of those stories and if we can get them, or as many of them, we will hopefully get some sort of collection together of all these stories and uh, of you and, and Graham and your memories uh, or some sort of future from the Rookham podcast.
2: Um, yeah, I would, I would say, I, 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 we've heard all these stories. I've Mine's a little sort of footnote, but I think it sums the man up brilliantly. i I used to run. Uh, I probably should still do now. Mm-hmm. My first ever 10k was the Absolutely Tough 10, which I'm sure many people have, uh, have also done. Uh, and Taylor used to start and hand out the medals at the end. And I remember I've come to the end and we're queuing up to get our medals. And there's two people getting at the medals. There's GT and there's, uh, I think, a local councillor. And, and I Because it's it my first ever sort of race i had done, so I didn't have any running gear. I was running in my Watford chat. And I sort of walking out, and I'm thinking, oh, am I, I going to get GT to? Is he? Is he going to give out the medal? And before I've got to the to the front of the queue, he seen me, and he said, "I better take this one." And he said, sort of "Come," because he spoke. And, and and it's a simple story, but you know, he did that for everyone. And 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 the uh, sort of all those heartwarming stories that we've seen and heard on social media on the telly this week—that's that is the man.
1: This this, this all the podcasting. We're not going to talk about the match today. We're not going to. We'll talk about that next week and. Or whatever happens here at Middlesbrough and then away at Bournemouth, I don't know how today's going to go. I don't know what the minutes applause is going to be like. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling during the game, but I really hope that this is the start of making sure that his legacy somehow lives on, not just for us who remember him because we've only got so much time left, but for forever and ever, uh, somewhere along in, in, in Watford and in the local area.
0: His his legacy will live on, John, and that's what we're looking at today. We've got Premier League football in a a fantastic stadium. To my left, we've got people laying laying tributes. We've got people catching up with old friends, doing exactly what we're doing, telling their stories, not just about Graham, but about about Watford. And that is his legacy, that we're here talking in glowing terms about still a football club with its roots in the community. But let's not forget he's now a successful football club. And, uh, and Graham was a lot of things, but he was also fiercely competitive. He was, you know, he, was a, he was a competitor. He wanted the best of everything he did. And the fact that Watford are a, are a successful football club is his legacy and, 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 is, and is a great tribute to him, I think. So, you know, we can't overstate it enough. And how's today going to go? It's going to be very, very emotional. Um, but it's, a, it's an opportunity and a, and a great opportunity for everybody to say thank you a a big big thank you and I think that's how we, we need to leave it it's just a massive massive thank you